0: The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, it's our and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services Inc. or the Ensign Group Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post acute healthcare entities. All
1: right, guys, this is really exciting stuff that we're going to be talking about today in this next podcast. Um, it has been a long year. <laughs> we 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 keep hearing terms like the new normal and and to me it has sort of felt like it's it's kind of felt like you know when you're sprinting towards a finish line you're kind of pushing it with all your strength and just as you're approaching the finish line it's almost like the officiators have have taken the finish line and they've moved it farther away right it gets frustrating and and the sprint has has kind of slowly turned into a jog and and at some point, you know, maybe after 200 meters, I want to just start uh, walking. So I'm here with Barry Port, who's the CEO of Ensign Services. Barry, welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, and I've I've got him here on phone, and also here on phone, I have Lindsay Tune, one of our compliance resources, and, and we'll just call her one of our clinical gurus. Lindsay, good to have you here. Thanks, Clay. And and excited to talk to you two about this uh, COVID vaccine release. Now. I know this word has been way overused in 2020, but I'm going to use it. This vaccine release really seems to be unprecedented. Uh, The speed it has come out at is amazing. But this is sort of what's concerning to so many people. People want to know or they feel like safety precautions have been skipped. They want to know if they're essentially serving as guinea pigs for this. There, there just seems to be so much that is, is unknown. So, Lindsay, I'm going to start with you. As a clinician, to kind of help us address this question, what, what do you say to the person who says, there's no way I'm taking that because we have no idea what's going to happen?
0: Yeah, Clay, I understand people's concerns. And the vaccine really has been developed and tested far more quickly than anything we've ever seen. But I also wanna be so clear on this point. The speed of development from these vaccines did not come from skipping any steps. So all of the phases that are required for any vaccine to go through were also followed for these vaccines. So, and, And there's four different phases. And for these specific trials, By the time those three phases were completed, tens of thousands of people were involved from all different age groups. So it had to meet several intense safety criteria before completing each phase. Um, So it's, it's really remarkable and phase four involves continued monitoring and gathering of data. And actually, there were no serious adverse events associated with the vaccines in either of the trials. So Moderna and Pfizer are the candidates that have just gotten authorization.
1: No, like third Um, arms that were grown or anything like that?
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. So, and you know, something that brought me a lot of reassurance, because we may not know a lot about this vaccine development world, but in learning about this, there are actually two separate advisory committees of experts from academic institutions. And they're the ones that look at all the data and decide if it's sound or not. And they have no political or financial interest and they're actually vetted for conflicts of interest. Um, And so they're the ones in charge of monitoring to ensure safety. So that brought me a lot of reassurance as well. But the reason the speed has been so unprecedented is that communication was opened up across the globe and the work has been really collaborative. So before, perhaps, manufacturers were working in silos, but now they all had one focus, one goal. They opened up their books. There was a lot of transparency with new technology as well. So, But the FDA has put this vaccine through its same rigorous routine as every other vaccine.
1: Okay, so so nothing skipped. And I also like that you talked about those advisory committees, too, because I think, okay, these companies are... Probably, probably heavily incentivized to to come out with this first, and and to have separate advisory committees with no financial interest monitoring the process. I, I think that's a that's an important point to understand. And it's also interesting. I'm I'm currently not done with it yet, but I'm reading the book The Speed of Trust right now. And and this process really is a demonstration of the speed of trust. When we stop playing games, when we when we become transparent. It's amazing how quickly you can achieve results. So so if no steps have been skipped, do we know? I mean, you said there's really no serious adverse effects. Do we know about the side effects or other concerns? I know I've always been a little bit hesitant to get the flu shot because of how that works, where, you know, they're injecting a little bit of the flu into you. And, and some people get the very sickness that they're trying to prevent. Uh, can that happen here?
0: Yeah, great, great questions, Clay. Um, So the two candidates right now both require two separate doses that are given about three to four weeks apart, depending on the vaccine. And I may sound like one of those commercials that rattle off some reported side effects, um, all of which make the drug sound worse than the sickness. But there have been reports of these short-term side effects. And The EUA fact sheets; those are just what's put out by the FDA. EUA stands for Emergency Use Authorization. The fact sheets have all of this in there, so they're not trying to hide the information. You can go in there and see all of these. But um, there have been some reports of these short-term side effects, such as headache or muscle pains, fatigue, chills, fever, and then of course, like when you get a shot, that there might be some pain at the injection site. These, though, they're typically very short-lived. They resolve within 24 to 48 hours. And the big here is the vast majority are just mild to moderate that's what they found and again that these included tens of thousands of people. Um, they were still able to work. The vast majority of them maybe took a little Tylenol or something, but there were side effects. But pretty, pretty standard for what we're used to for vaccination. But I want to be clear that that is not the vaccine making you sick or giving the sickness that it's trying to prevent. Kind of like you talked about with the flu shot, right. and and that's really just not how it works. The COVID nineteen vaccine, the the technology is really remarkable, but it's actually not. They're not giving you any uh, killed or live virus like some other vaccines work. So um, it doesn't contain any of that. And so it's actually impossible to get COVID-19 from the vaccine. And in fact, when you feel those side effects, it's your body working. It's creating those antibodies in response to the vaccine. It initiates our immune response. So that discomfort you feel is actually the vaccine working. So it's not giving you COVID-19.
2: Well, and yeah, I, I should also point out, too, that, you know, first of all, I'll just agree with everything Lindsay said. It's it's remarkable that this has taken place in such a short time. And the other good news is that we have been uh, working through our national association closely with the CDC and CMS to be part of, of the first rollout of, of the vaccine. And so we, we are going to be able to uh, distribute the vaccine here in, in pretty short order, to all of our residents and and our staff free of charge and and give them the chance to be a part of this historical uh, program right out of the gate if they haven't already i know some of our some of our folks in the field have already started uh taking the vaccine um and everyone should have a chance uh, since you've been all on the front lines of this battle for so long to be a part of that uh, first first yeah. phase and you you Frankly, deserve to be the first.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm excited for them to to have this opportunity. So so Barry, it's it sounds like, and you can tell me if I'm reading this correctly. It sounds like you're very confident and excited about this after the research that you've done. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Oh yeah,
2: I mean absolutely. I, you know, I think. You know, if, if you're at all concerned, you know, listen to the expert. Lindsay is certainly one of those, but there's countless materials out there for you to educate yourself, and we're going to try to do our best to get you more and more of that. But, you know, look, I've always been one to think that, you know, the FDA process was filled with a little bit of red tape and goes with far longer than necessary to get these things approved. They require 50% efficacy to endorse a, a COVID-19 vaccine. You know, if, if you all kind of follow the news, you've you've heard about Operation Warp Speed, and that, that has uh, really kind of been the effort employed by the government and all of the scientific experts to speed up the development and testing of this vaccine. Not skip steps, but speed up the efforts and, and get rid of some of that red tape and the vaccines that we have from Pfizer and Moderna are showing a 94 to 95% efficacy rate way higher than the standard in preventing COVID-19 during the trial phase and that's that's pretty unheard of clay you're <laughs> you use the annoying word of unprecedented all the time but uh, the FDA requires 8 weeks of safety data and we've waited patiently and the results have been pretty phenomenal yeah
0: yeah, and Clay, you should know the FDA usually advises a minimum of 3,000 participants while they're looking at safety, but these phase three trials have been, they, they had 30,000 to 50,000 participants depending on the vaccine manufacturer, so I, I feel that safety has really been a top priority for the FDA and really the entire medical community.
1: Yeah, that's interesting to know. You've got about ten times the the focus group there, and and from what I understand, a lot of people were, you know, it, sometimes it's hard for them to find people for these groups, and they just had so many people stepping up saying, "Yeah, I'll 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 test the vaccine," uh, and I and I know there's so much that we don't know, but but let me ask this question to 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 make sure we can figure out what we do know. Do do we have any idea how long this vaccine will protect us, Lindsay?
0: No, I mean, yeah, there there are some things we don't know, and Phase four is going to continue. They'll continue gathering information. so it's just gonna take some more time, some more research. some Some think it might be like the annual flu vaccine, right? where we need to get get them each year on a periodic basis. It really depends on how the virus changes over time, so that's something we'll kind of watch and see what happens.
1: yeah, so when we then when we get the vaccine, will will masks become a thing of the past and And can I stop washing my hands with soap? (laughs) Please keep washing your hands always, Clay. Okay. (laughs) Um, Especially when you use the bathroom. Um,
2: But look, the CDC will likely update their guidelines in the future. But for now, especially us in long-term care who take care of the most vulnerable patients, uh, we, we will continue to follow the precautions we'll have to. You know, the, some some of these vaccines take two doses to provide protection. And, you know, usually it comes a few weeks after the second shot in those two shot vaccines. But even after that, you've got to remember that people around you will will not have received their vaccine yet. So while we know that the vaccine is effective for you, it still may be possible for you because we all know how this is transmitted to you know pass that on to someone else even even if you don't have it so until the vaccine has been widely distributed, we should all continue to have a face covering socially distance and
1: clay we gotta wash our hands <laughs> okay. I'll try to keep up that habit. Uh, So, so, so Lindsay, what if, well, let me, let me ask another question of you. If, what if I've taken the antibody test or I've, or I've had COVID and, and, uh, and, and learn that I have antibodies, do I, do I still get the vaccine?
0: Yeah that's a great question. It is still recommended. So CDC has made recommendations on that and so even if you've had COVID-19 or like you said you've had this antibody test showing that you've had previous exposure um not only is it safe to get the vaccine it's actually important that you do get it so you have this additional protection. Apparently from my understanding the the vaccine itself initiates this more robust immune response in your body so that you actually have additional protection. So in some rare cases, a person may have already been infected with COVID-19 when they got the vaccine, but maybe be, you know, asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic. And so if they get the vaccine and then later start to have symptoms or maybe test positive. It does not mean they got COVID 19 for the vaccine. Like we said, that it's actually impossible, um, but it was probably likely that they were just exposed right before they got the vaccine. So
1: you're saying that's more just coincidental, and if mm-hmm. something like that happens. So it sounds like this is a, a full game plan. I, I talked to a friend once who was buying a new car and and the the dealer was surprised that they wanted uh, airbags and seatbelts and anti-lock brakes, you know. And he's saying, "Well, I don't want to get in an accident. We're, we should be getting the vaccine. We should be wearing the mask. We should be social distancing. We just need to attack this virus from all angles and and until we're able to more fully defeat it." So so Barry, talk to me then about who can or will be getting these vaccines in a nursing home. Can you can you kind of help us lay out the plan here?
2: Yeah. Look so. So the CDC, uh, thankfully, is recommending that the 3 million elderly uh, patients in, in nursing homes and the 21 million healthcare workers across the country be the first to get the vaccine. And we're, thankfully, we're included in that in that first wave as uh, priority recipients. And really, we, we want our staff to get it as soon as possible, even sometimes before the residents did decrease the risk of exposing the residents to COVID-19. And, and look, by staff, that's kind of a catch-all term uh, that describes anyone who works inside of a nursing home, not just those who do direct patient care. Um, so that'll include anyone who visits the facility, any kind of frontline staff uh, or, or ancillary staff, including doctors and resources and our contract, other contracted partners that visit often into a nursing facility.
1: So but Barry, I've seen I've seen some some polls and studies that, that have shown that about one third of healthcare workers in the US are willing to take the vaccine right now. So so let's say I'm a leader in a facility that's facing a lot of these concerned team members. What what advice can you give to the administrator of the DON to help them sort of alleviate these concerns with receiving the vaccine?
2: Yeah, clay, that's a good question. First of all, I think we've got to help people separate fact from fiction and and we have to help people understand that this really isn't a political issue at this point this is this is a modern scientific miracle and we have a, a great opportunity to to be educators and reminders and and that, that that really is the job of one of the primary roles of a leader is to, is to be kind of a chief reminding officer and that look some some of the things you might consider would include you know, having regular staff meetings, educate them, get, get educated yourself, educate all of our staff. Let's educate each other. Let's have meetings to answer questions. And, you know, we, we should build a team of leaders of, around us that, that can all do the same thing uh, to all shifts at all times and, and make sure there's absolute clarity on this. We, we should also encourage Role modeling of you, your leaders, your medical director, and show show even videos of you getting the vaccine. Invite your staff to see that. Uh, you know, th- ultimately, this should be a celebra- celebratory kind of event. You know, we've been waiting through this for months now, h- hoping and praying for some kind of a relief, and this is this is the exciting news we've been waiting for. So th- this should be a, a major celebratory event. You know, you could you could do all kinds of things that might help people you know when you vote you you get i voted sticker maybe make a i i got vaccinated sticker and let people wear those and you know let people post pictures and and uh and get excited about the fact that they participated in this historic event and then you could consider doing contests between you know your staff or different facilities almost like what you would do for emergency fund participation or or highlight people on a bulletin board, or whatever, whatever you you know works for you and your staff. But um, there are many things we can do to push this, and we should be pushing this. We shouldn't uh, feed into the reticence because that's not based in anything scientific. Um, this process will be saving lives, and I'm super grateful for this breakthrough. It's again what I've been personally praying for for a long time, and I hope we can all take advantage of this, this huge miracle.
1: So I should stop telling people that the government's injecting little, uh, microcomputer chips and people, separate facts from fiction. Okay. I'll, I'll work on that. So Lindsay and Barry, thanks for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, but before we finish this podcast, let's, uh, in any final words of wisdom that you'd want to share with us, Lindsay, let me start with you.
0: Yeah, I I echo Barry's excitement. I just I feel like this is really what we've been waiting for. And if you look at the grand scheme of things, I think that these vaccines are really our ticket out of this pandemic. You know, we might not immediately be able to stop wearing masks and stop all of our testing. But in the long run, those things will start to lift as more and more people are vaccinated. They're safe. The efficacy rate is fantastic, far greater than we expected. Yeah, that is amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really fantastic. Um, and as leaders, I feel like we probably have to lean in. And address our own hesitancy first in our own hearts. And it's okay if we as leaders have hesitancy as well. Um, but then we can be more effective as we try to be ambassadors for the vaccine in our buildings, but also in our communities. And, and I think to acknowledge that our staff have concerns is, is important too, to be transparent with them and our residents as well, to validate their concerns but also provide accurate information to them. And so again, I, just, I feel like this vaccine is the light at the end of this COVID the tunnel that we are in, and I'm, I'm super excited to get mine.
1: I do like that you say that, and we need to be cautious that we aren't uh, minimizing people's concerns with the vaccine. I, I think that's good advice. Barry?
2: Yeah, no, I, nothing more really uh, to, to add other than I know everyone on this call, on this podcast, are, are, are going to get vaccinated. I know Clay, you will. I know Lindsay will. I, I know I will, but the minute I get a chance to, I will, and certainly I want our staff and our residents to have the priority, but just do it. Just get vaccinated. If again, like Lindsay said, if you're reticent, if you're unsure, lean in, figure it out, get get educated, understand what's ahead of us and what what opportunity is here for us, and let's let's all be an active part of this great advancement. I'm excited
1: for it. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks, you guys, for coming on. I'm, I'm ready for somebody to stick a needle in me and uh, and get this done. So uh, thanks, you guys, for coming on. I'm really hopeful that uh, people listening to this will it'll alleviate some of their concerns and that we can really spread this vaccine and, and like Lindsay says, really start to be the beginning of the end of this virus. So uh, very exciting stuff. Thanks, you guys, for joining me today.
2: Thanks, Clay. Thanks, Clay.